And today it's my honor to bring you God's word. We've been in a series called Remarkable. In this series, we've been looking at the life of Jesus and how his remarkable love, sacrifice, and power changes our lives. The goal of this series is that we would be in awe of Jesus as we grow in our love for him and try to imitate him. Mark's gospel is from the perspective of of identity. Everything Mark says about Jesus is recorded and calculated because he's showing us who Jesus is. It's about his identity. In chapter 1, we see Jesus baptized by John the Baptist, and then the heavens open up, and God the Father says, this is my son who I'm well pleased with. In Mark chapter 2, we witness Jesus forgive sins for the first time. When the religious leaders of that day, called the Pharisees, question this in their hearts, Jesus says, what is easier for me to say your sins are forgiven or to heal a paralytic man? He heals this man, he gets up, and he walks away with his mat. Jesus is showing his power among them as God. In Mark chapter 3, Jesus is found healing people, teaching, and when his family, his blood relatives, come to get him because they think he's lost his mind, he says, my family is those who do the will of God. Throughout Mark's gospel, Mark is showing that Jesus is in alignment with God the Father. And today, our text is a big reveal into who Jesus is for the disciples and for us. Today, our text will be Mark 4, verses 35 to 41. Mark is the second book in the New Testament, if you're looking for it in your Bibles, and it'll also be on the screens. Allow me to pray, and then we will read the text. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We ask now that you would remove anything that would distract us from what you have to say to us today. Would you bring us a calmness and a peace within our hearts so that we can hear your words and forget about anything that would hinder us from that? Father, as you express your love and goodness to us, may we be open to receive it no matter how we came in here this morning. It's in your Holy Son, Christ Jesus' name that I pray this. Amen. Mark 4, 35 through 41 says this. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, he being Jesus, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already feeling But he was in the stern asleep, he being Jesus, on a cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the winds and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this? that even the winds and the sea obey him. The disciples were on a journey of discovery to find out who Jesus is. Um, we're going to take that journey with them. And as a reminder, 
Mark chapter 1, Jesus is identified as God's son. Mark chapter 2, Jesus identifies himself as God after forgiving sins. Mark chapter 3, Jesus identifies his family as those who do the will of God. Close your eyes and listen. Put yourself next to the disciples on this journey in Mark chapter 4. Jesus had just finished the teaching from the boat, and he says to you and the other disciples, join me in the boat, and we will head to the other side. He's pointing to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. You've heard that the Sea of Galilee is prone to sudden violent storms because it's in a valley, and the winds coming down that valley cause fierce waves. But Jesus says, get in the boat, so you climb in. You set sail and have gotten halfway across the Sea of Galilee when you feel a chilling wind. Waves start to pick up as you hear the storm around you and before you. Lightning cuts through the pitch black sky and crashes to the water. Your boat begins to be tossed violently, so you hold onto your seat, steadying yourself. You tighten your grip as you feel your hands going numb from squeezing your seat so hard. You shudder as the cold water splashes on you and you squint to see between the water running down your face in the darkness. Again and again the water hits you until you're soaked. You notice that your feet are wet because the boat is taking on water and you feel a pit in your stomach form. You continue to squint through the darkness to see the other disciples and through your gaze you catch something shocking. Panic is on the face of the other disciples. Your heart begins to race because the faces you see filled with panic are Simon, Andrew, James, and John. You think to yourself, these guys, they're fishermen. They've been on these waters thousands of times. And if they're scared, that means we're gonna die. You yell to the other disciples, but the waves and the thunder muffle your words. Everyone suddenly realizes Jesus is still asleep, and in a panic, you wake him. Teacher, do you not care that we are panishing, perishing? Jesus wakes from his slumber and commands the winds and the waves. Peace, be still. Jesus turns to you and the other disciples and says, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? The storm has stopped, but your fear has turned to terror as you ask yourself and the other disciples, who then is this, that the winds and the sea obey him? If you took that journey and closed your eyes, you can open them now. Jesus challenges the disciples, saying, have you still no faith? See, Jesus is saying that you've been with me, you've seen my miracles, and yet you question my majesty. You've seen how I love those around me, yet you question if I care. In a moment of fear, the disciples ignored the evidence that they had had and that they found on their journey of discovery. Jesus, at this point, has healed a paralytic, healed a leper, banished demons, and much more that we don't have recorded in our Bibles. But the disciples, they witnessed all of this, and yet the storm comes and they forget all the signs of who Jesus is. Sometimes I've gone through storms in my own life. And just like the disciples, I've forgotten what I know to be true about Jesus. 
the biggest obstacle my faith has ever overcome is the death of my grandfather. When I was in college, my grandpa had a stroke. And as he was getting better, he had a series of strokes that would land him in hospice. The doctor said that my grandfather would live for a few more days, and he made it for weeks. I stopped going to college in that time and stayed in the hospital with him every day. I prayed every night that he would be healed miraculously by Jesus' power. The doctors said there was no hope, but I believed in a healer. I prayed each night, and then, before my eyes, my grandfather slipped away. See, I prayed that my grandfather would walk out of that hospital on his own two feet, but instead I watched him die before my eyes. I wanted Jesus to miraculously heal him, and yet he died. And because my reality did not match my expectation, I failed to see God's goodness. The reality is Jesus did heal my grandfather, but it took me a while to understand that. My grandfather is apart from all pain and suffering now in heaven, and that is a miraculous healing. At the moment that I ignored the evidence that I knew to be about Jesus and my own lifetime, my experience of who he is, is the exact moment that I failed to see a loving God. See, because I know Jesus to be loving and compassionate, I know Jesus to be a God who empathizes with my pain. But in the middle of my storm, I missed him. I missed his loving character. And that led me to believe God didn't care about my prayers nor about my grandfather. That led me to have a hardened heart against God. Has that ever happened to you? It's possible. It could be happening right now. In one season, it's easy to believe that God is loving, that he loves us, and that he cares for us. But in another season, we forget that because it seems like he is silent in the middle of our storm. In one season, we praise God for being a healer, but in another season, our family member gets sick, and we forget his power. We know God to be a provider, but when our money gets funny, so does our memory about who God is. When we feel out of control, we will either let fear or faith determine how we view our situation. We will either remember who God is and let his character shape the way we look at our circumstance, or we will look at our circumstance and let it shape the way we view God. I'll say that again. We will either remember who God is and let his character shape the way we look at our circumstance, or we will look at our circumstance and let it shape the way we view God. That's why the disciples had forgotten the evidence of who Jesus is. They were distracted by their circumstance. This is why the response to Jesus, this is why Jesus' response to them is, why are you so afraid? It wasn't that Jesus was rebuking them for fear. It was that he was rebuking them because they allowed the fear of their hearts to remove their knowledge of who he was. That's why the disciples asked if he cared. It's why the disciples asked, who is this? Because the fear they felt in that moment removed everything that they had found 
on their journey of discovery. Jesus brought them to the boat and told them they were going to go to the other side. The storm of their, that they were in the middle of was an opportunity for them to trust him, even in uncertain times. See, the storm reveals Jesus' power over the circumstances of our lives. And more importantly, it reveals who Jesus is. The disciples question, who then is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? Well, the simple answer is, Jesus is God. No human had ever commanded the weather but Jesus. He told that storm, be still, like it was an unruly child, and it immediately obeyed. Only God can command the weather. And the thought that God was among them scared the disciples more than even the storm itself. When Jesus rebukes the disciples for their fear, it is because their fear had left them forgetting who he was. Fear is an indicator that we are in over our heads, and we will respond to fear in one of three ways. Fear can move us to a place of faith and trusting in Jesus. Fear can move us to a place of being paralyzed and questioning God's goodness. Or fear can move us to a place of running to the things that take God's place in our heart. The disciples had seen Jesus' power, and their worries kept them from recognizing Jesus and his power over their situation, which misled them, and that's dictated by their approach to Jesus in the storm. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? They were not asking Jesus to change their circumstance. They were shocked Jesus didn't share in their panic. Perishing is a presence tense. The disciples believed they were dying right then in that moment. Have you ever responded to Jesus in this way? If so, it's likely that the storms has changed your perspective on Jesus rather than letting Jesus change your perspective on the storm. Have you ever felt like Jesus was asleep while you perish? Like he was silent in the middle of your personal storm? True faith is trusting Jesus in the middle of the storm. Jesus is the only one that can calm the storm in our hearts. And the greatest storm that we face is sin and separation from God. Even if our earthly storms continue, Jesus is as loving today as he was the day that he died on the cross for our sins. See, he died so that we could have a right relationship with God. And even though some of us would push him away at times in our lives, even though people would reject him, he died for our sins. He's already taken care of our deepest need, even if we don't recognize it. Jesus prioritized our eternal life with God, so let us follow in prioritizing it as well. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not making light of any storm you may be facing. Instead, I'm trying to point you to the only person that can calm you in the storm, that can give you peace. When my grandfather was dying, I was focused on his earthly life. And that's why my heart got hard. Jesus prioritized his eternal life, which is why he was healed in the afterlife. Once I began to prioritize my grandfather's eternity, I was able to soften my heart. God was able to soften my heart. And I was able to love God again. I was able to see just how compassionate he truly was. 
and how he did heal my grandfather. But that truth doesn't take away the pain, but it makes it bearable in this season. I miss my grandfather, but I also rejoice that he's gone home to be with God. And the reality is, Jesus can heal, and sometimes he will. He can repair broken relationships, and sometimes he will. He can help us out with our finances, and sometimes he will. But the only way that we truly have Jesus' remarkable peace is to find his true identity as Lord and Savior and put trust in him regardless of our circumstance. Jesus has taken care of our greatest need, the need to be saved from our sins. If he doesn't save us from this current storm, that does not change who he is, but it does give us an opportunity to trust him and to go deeper into relationship with him in the face of the thing that scares us most. Maybe today is the day that you decide that you want to start that journey with the Lord and trust Jesus for the first time as your Lord and Savior. Romans 10:9 says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Maybe today is the day that you renew your commitment to Christ. We want to celebrate that with you. None of us follow Jesus perfectly, not even the disciples. I'm reminded of God's grace every time I read the book of Mark. The next time the disciples discuss Jesus' identity, Peter, one of the disciples, says, You are the Messiah. That means that Jesus was the one that came to save us. Later uh, in the Gospels, the same disciple, Peter, would deny Jesus three times because Another circumstance had overshadowed who he found Jesus to be. Jesus had been captured and would later be executed. That was him dying for our sins. But in that moment, Peter didn't see that, and he forgot who God was again. Jesus would raise three days later. He would come and meet Peter, and he would forgive him three times, showing his commitment and love to Peter, and he also shows that same love and commitment to us. Jesus' identity. Jesus shares the same loving forgiveness and grace with us. And the more that we understand Jesus' identity and his love for us, the easier it will be to find peace in him. Peace is not found in the blessings of God. They're found in God alone. Join me on the journey of discovery to know Jesus more and more each day. Allow me to pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have already given us all that we need in you. God, I lift up those who are in the storm even now, some who are silently suffering and those that we know their situation. Would you bring peace to them no matter what it is they're facing? Would you allow them to know that they can turn to you, God? I lift up the Mary Hughes who are still in a storm themselves. Uh, I lift up baby Gio and his heart condition. Lord, would you continue to watch over that family? Lord, and I lift up a ball um, as you continue to heal him, God. 
We trust you with these situations. Father, I, I lift up this generation and those who may have been traumatized or feared for their lives this week due to the swatting calls at the schools. Father, help guide us, lead us to who you're calling us to be. Remove our distractions so we can see you more clear. It's in your host in Christ Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.